Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. And today's episode is on healthy habits of emotional well-being. To help me out, I have a wonderful former student of mine, Ellie Mark. Ellie, would you like to say hi and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I have to say it's still interesting to call you Lori and not Dr. Reichel. So used to that, but I'm super excited to be here. As Lori said, my name is Ellie Mark, and I am currently in my professional role serving as the prevention education manager for the Know the Truth Prevention Program, where my focus is preventing youth substance use within the state of Minnesota, where I'm currently a resident in Minneapolis. But my real passion, why I got into public health, how I ended up meeting Lori, is with mental health and emotional health. And throughout my journey with my own mental illnesses, I found out that there are things you can do to help prevent mental burnout, just like you can prevent substance use and other illnesses and things. So I found this program called the Campaign to Change Direction, and there are five healthy habits of emotional well-being. I have gone on to now incorporate that into my work as a local title holder for the Miss America organization. I'm currently serving as Miss St. Croix Valley and hope to become Miss Minnesota this summer. That's wonderful. And thank you so much for being here, Ellie, and congratulations on your title. Where is St. Croix Valley? It's kind of in the little dent in Minnesota. If you're thinking about Minnesota on a map and on the eastern side of the state, there's that little inward part. That's St. Croix Valley, that region right there. While I don't live there right now, I do drive through there often and spend a lot of time there. If anyone has ever been to Stillwater, you've been in St. Croix Valley. That's probably one of the biggest tourist spots in that area. So proud to represent it. Excellent. And you had said that your platform or your campaign to change direction, it's based on these five healthy habits of emotional well-being. Yes. So the Campaign to Change Direction is a national organization that was actually started in response to the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, when that happened, this organization said we need to be doing something to address the mental health of everyone in America and they developed these warning signs. They called them um, the five signs of emotional suffering. They promoted those and said, you know, if you witness any of these five signs, personality change, someone being more agitated than normal, someone showing that poor self-care, hopelessness, or being withdrawn, those are the five. If you notice that in someone, it's time to check in with them. But what they realized as a lot of us have in the realm of mental health promotion is that talking about mental illness and then this negative mindset tends to scare people and promote the stigma that already surrounds mental illness. And instead, they focused on what can we do to prevent mental illness? What can we do 
to, prov- to promote this positive mental health. And that's when they developed the five healthy habits of emotional well-being, which is what I choose to focus on in my work as Miss St. Croix Valley. I know that you're using the term mental health and emotional health. And mm-hmm. to back up a little bit for how we sometimes teach children that we do separate mm-hmm. the mental and emotional health. Um, actually, mm-hmm. there's the SMEEPS acronym I've used in the K-12 mm-hmm. world, which is SMEEPS, S-M-E-E-P-S, that stands for Social, Mental, Emotional, Environmental, Physical, and Spiritual Health. And then you can add more for older, older teens and adults. The mental aspect and emotional aspect, they work definitely together in which the mm-hmm. emotional aspect, how we usually talk to children, we explain it as those are your feelings that you can actually note how you're feeling. Because it's interesting that young people, you might ask them, how are you feeling today? Well, I feel that. It's like they don't know how they're, if they're angry, sad. And so we teach Mm -hmm. in definitely elementary school for them to start noting what their body tells them for feeling. And then that mental aspect is usually about how your thinking goes along with your feelings, as well as your coping skills, your your decision-making skills. So they, Mm -hmm. this emotional and mental health, they work together. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better. I mean, that's why you're the professor here, right? You teach people these things. And I think what a lot of times too people assume when they think about mental health and emotional health is, oh, mental health, that's just talking about like mental illnesses. I don't have that. But what we need to recognize is that everyone has mental health and it does go right alongside emotional health and well-being there too. And being able to process and take care of our emotional well-being and mental health really does go hand in hand. So perfect. Excellent. So would you mind sharing with us the five healthy habits of emotional well-being? Yes, this is my favorite thing to do. So of course I will. First and foremost, the first healthy habit is taking care. So taking care of yourself. That's talking about fueling yourself with the best food that you can in order to improve the health and well-being of yourself physically really taking care focuses on that physical aspect. So it's exercising, it's sleep. A lot of times people forget that these basic activities are crucial in taking care of our mental and emotional health. When we feel better about ourselves physically, that is going to help us feel better both emotionally and mentally and help us to be able to process our emotions in a more clear space. So sometimes I like to remind people taking a shower can seem really simple, but that is so important to your overall health and well-being. The second healthy habit is checking in and getting checkups, not just physical checkups, you know, where you go to the doctor and they let you know that everything looks good and give you your shots if that's what you choose to do. Um, Thinking about, you know, we do that for our physical health. We also need to do that for our mental health as well. And talking with not just necessarily a counselor or a doctor, but maybe it's a faith-based leader. Maybe it's a peer that you trust. Checking in to process some of the things that you're going through emotionally, just as you would for your physical health, for your teeth, for your car, whatever it may be, right? So those are the first two. Now, the third kind of goes along 
with that check-in side of things. And it's engaging. Now, when we're talking about engaging, we're talking about doing some of those check-ins, of course, with our friends, but even more importantly is engaging and connecting wisely. So yeah, you can engage and connect with your friends via social media, but is that the healthiest way to go about it? Are you finding yourself doom scrolling, as they call it, where you just keep going and going, but paying attention to the relationships that we're in, if they're healthy for us and beneficial to us, or they're taking away from, you know, our energy, our battery, right? The fourth or the fifth is relax. You know, everyone talks about self-care and putting on a face mask or taking a bubble bath. That's where this falls into, you know, meditation. But um, one thing I like to talk about is how forms of relaxing can also be forms of productivity. So for someone who's anxious like myself and feels the need to be productive all the time, I need to remind myself that choosing to relax is a form of productivity. It is something that I can add to my to-do list, so to speak. And last but not least is knowing the five signs of emotional suffering and knowing what to do if you see that, whether it's in yourself or in someone else. And I talked about those a little bit earlier, but I'll list them one more time just in case. So excellent person. Yeah. That's personality change, noticing quicker to be agitated or lack of patience, showing withdrawal or feeling more withdrawn or not participating in things that used to bring someone joy, poor self-care. So not showering, not eating or eating too much, any of those things that are hurting ourselves physically. And then last but not least, hopelessness and kind of that approach to the world only seeing the negative side of things. That covers the five healthy habits of emotional well-being. And it's a lot of information, so we can totally break it down now. (laughs) Thank you. So I'd like to go back to the fourth habit of relaxing in which it seems like sometimes in our society for somebody to sit or to be and not have an agenda is such a struggle. And I am very grateful that I've taught a stress management class and have practiced things. I think if I wasn't practicing mindfulness regularly, I might be more reactive. And certainly being mindful and doing exercises, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Because we're real, we're human beings, we're going to have these reactions, but there's like a difference to it. You react differently, or sometimes you take a breath and you're more creative instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. So can you expand a little bit more on that relax? And if you're a person that feels like, especially a young person that's like, well, I have to go to school and then I have to do these clubs or these sports and stuff with Mm -hmm. my family, what's the advice there for a young person? Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that more than probably relating to anything else in the world. When I was growing up, when I was in ninth grade was when I got my first job. And I immediately was at school all day. Then I danced three nights a week. Then I worked two nights a week. Then I got my license and it was dance plus one job plus another job plus joining student council plus being involved in this. And I thought that my overall self-worth was measured in how much I could check off that I had done, right? Especially when we're focusing on high schoolers and thinking about applying for colleges and things along those lines. It's so easy for 
every single one of us to go through and say, oh, I need to be involved in NHS. I need to be involved in this. I need to have perfect grades. We're not scheduling in that time to recharge our batteries. I always like to say with students when I'm giving presentations to youth, think about it like a phone battery. You know, if you have your phone and you decide that you want to go to class on your phone on Zoom, you want to talk with a friend and try to have a social life. You want to watch videos so you can be better with your sport, but you don't do anything to recharge your phone or stop for a minute. You are, your phone's going to run out of battery and you're not going to be able to use it or it's going to start working slower or think about that in terms of our health too. So taking that time to recharge is just like taking time to recharge your phone battery and relaxing and recognizing that is a form of productivity within itself. And you can add it to your to-do list if you need to. That's what I do. I quite literally on my calendar in front of me have mindfulness on every single day where I just make sure I take five minutes every day to just sit and be. And sometimes I use an app. Sometimes I just sit in silence. Sometimes I take a walk and I really focus on the sounds around me, you know, and like you said, it's not trying to be perfect at mindfulness, but just doing it so I can recharge my battery so that I can be my best self in all the other things I want to accomplish. Excellent. And which I know sometimes there's a body scan for a mindfulness and I've done that for future elementary school educators for mm -hmm. future health and physical educators. And what I find so fascinating is that when you ask somebody to sit and you start doing a body scan, at times people are like, I didn't realize I had this feeling here. I didn't realize my heart was going faster. I'm feeling anxious. And it's like, that's okay. Your body mm -hmm. is telling you something. And so often we don't listen to our body because we're constantly going and this relaxing is so needed. I mean, I know there's stats. I don't know them off the top of my head, but when we look at the statistics for adults that when they go for vacation, they check their work email and that's not the healthiest for us. I mean, in other countries, it's like you're away from work, you know, you know, you don't look at anything, you're off and you're allowed to do that. Yet at times it seems like, there's this competition that I always have to keep busy. And then we might even say, like you and I might have a conversation, Ellie, of, well, I did this today. And you might go, well, I did this. And it's mm -hmm. weird that we're going to try to compete to be so busy. And then this other side of, well, if I'm not doing something productive, I'm not as important or I'm not mm -hmm. as productive. And I wish at times we, we kind of remove that. Like, that's okay. You mm -hmm. recharging. I love how you did that battery thing because you recharging, having some downtime, some alone time is so important mm -hmm. too, that you can remember who you are. And if your body is talking to you about anything, being in nature is great too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, who else loves the phone analogy is kids because they get it, you know, and you, and if they don't have a phone yet, if they're even younger than that, they, they still understand what it means. They know about tablets. They know that TVs need to be plugged in, you know, they understand that yeah. concept of energy. So being able to explain it in that way is a very helpful way. And I couldn't agree more in the sense that, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm one of those adults. I took a vacation last summer and I spent one of the mornings in the cabin on my computer doing some work. I think about that in terms of just 
how badly I needed that vacation and that time away from the work that I'm involved in. Even then, I felt this pressure to go back and check in on it. Also, because that's what I know my other coworkers have done. You know, I know even my friends who are working, who have gone on vacation, well, they check their work emails. So I need to do that too. That comparison game too can be very costly. So I wonder if somehow we can do this paradigm shift where we start doing this comparison of, oh, I just did mindfulness for 10 minutes. And you're like, mm-hmm. I did it for 15. And yeah. oh, and then I walked out in nature. Oh yeah, me too. And I took my dog and, yes. you know, like we do that kind of like, oh, we enjoying your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish that's what the conversation would be about more for sure. And I think- I ended up getting a uh, Fitbit for Christmas. And at first, I really just wanted to know how much I was walking my dog every day because I knew it had to be somewhere close to four miles. And sure enough, it was about five miles every day. And I noticed how I had been feeling better and stuff. But also on there is you can track, you know, your mindfulness and how much water you drink. And that's the type of stuff I want to be competitive about, you know, not how many hours I worked over 40 this week, which is a topic of conversation where I'm finding myself, I was actually in a job interview a little over a year ago when I was looking for a new position. And I had the boss, the person in charge tell me that, oh, it's pretty much expected that you work over 40 hours. Red flag. I immediately was like, okay, not my type of job then. And I think that that's kind of everywhere we go, though. It's just the fact that she was willing to put that out there before I had even started the job was definitely something I wanted to avoid. But yeah, the type of competitiveness that I want to do is my sister's boyfriend and I are both friends on Fitbit. And when he has more active minutes than me, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to beat him. And yeah, I want to change that conversation. I love that idea. As you're saying that, you're making me think, Ellie, that your five healthy habits of emotional well-being, it certainly is for younger people, but it's also for their family members about taking care Mm -hmm. of themselves, checking in, engaging wisely, relaxing, Mm -hmm. and knowing the five signs of emotional suffering. So that's important for older folks and younger folks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one thing too, that I want to mention in a lot of the work I do, I have to study Gen Z, right? So Gen Z, that's basically our middle school and high school students right now. And one thing that uh, I'm blanking on the organization that does, it starts with a P, that does all the research about these different generations. They found that Gen Z feels like they're competing with their parents' cell phones and competing with their parents' work lives and screen time for their attention. And one of the biggest things I want to take away when I read that study, when I was deciding to carry on that information to parents and teacher events, was talking about the fact that we need to model the behavior that we want the people, the young ones in our life to show. So if we are sitting here, the idea too of body image, I think of, you know, if you have a mom or even a dad or just some type of guardian, older sibling or relative that is constantly focusing on, oh, well, I can't eat that, but you can eat that because you're younger and you have a faster metabolism because I need to focus on my diet. Well, that's going to make the younger person tell themselves, oh, carbs or chips are bad. And so it's kind of the same thing can happen with our emotional and mental health too and talking about it 
if we want them to have good emotional, mental health, good work-life balance, good friendships, we need to model that. And that will be the best way to go about it. Absolutely. Which I think that's one of the reasons why I love being in the health education field, because it helps you practice it more and then you can model it better. Not that we're perfect, but we try. Like when I talk about communication skills, I get better. I use more I statements. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In which that whole modeling, I find it fascinating that on the topic of even puberty and other human sexuality topics, sometimes a family member, a parent or other caregiver will say, well, I want my child to come and ask me questions. Meanwhile, it has to be modeled. You have to go to Mm -hmm. your child and model. This is how we talk about this subject because they're Mm -hmm. learning from what they're watching. And I definitely do want to have you on another episode in the future to talk about more with that body image, because I know that's another thing you're very passionate about and Mm -hmm. loving yourself and you're more than your Mm -hmm. body. And how do you love your inside as well as your body? So Mm -hmm. I'd love to have you back on an episode for that. I want to ask you one more question, though, before we leave for today's episode. Overall, what advice do you have for young folks or their parents and caregivers regarding the puberty aspect and their body changing or the moodiness? Yeah, the moodiness was huge for me. And I kind of have a two part here. And one kind of leads into one thing you were just talking about in the sense of moodiness. When I was going through puberty, I wasn't quite as moody. My mom might say something else. So maybe I shouldn't say that. (laughs) But I, I'd like to think my in terms of my mood, it wasn't as much that as it much as it was the body image thing, which will bring me to my second part. But what I did start to recognize was, now that I'm older, I can look back and see when I was in high school, still kind of in puberty, but in those later stages, was when I started exhibiting signs of emotional suffering and mental illness. And it was wrote off as me going through puberty. And I don't blame anyone for that. My mom didn't quite understand. And it wasn't talked about as much when I was in that stage. So I want to encourage going back to that healthy habit of checking in, whether it be you as a caregiver, or if you're recognizing this in a student. And maybe focusing more on how are you doing outside of just potential mood swings, really working with someone, if it is another professional, to find out if there is some type of underlying condition that's going on, like a mental illness or something along those lines. So that's kind of my first thing. And then second thing is going to be geared more towards the teens, because I'm not that old yet. So I remember so clearly the very moment I looked at a picture of myself and said, oh my goodness, I don't look like that girl in a magazine. I remember what I was wearing in that picture. I remember the day. I know that magazines aren't as big anymore, but social media, if that would have been more prevalent when I was in middle school, good golly, Miss Molly, my heart is with you. Recognizing that not looking a certain way doesn't change your self-worth, one. Two, Taking care of yourself does not mean trying to be as thin as possible. It's being confident and feeling strong, feeling energized, feeling physically healthy. It's not about the way 
you physically appear. And last but not least, realizing that if you have a friend who's making you feel like you should look a certain way, let's engage and connect with other people instead. Find a new group of people who are going to help you reach the goals that you want to reach and aren't focused on how you look externally. So that's my parent and youth advice (laughs) split up into two different things. (laughs) That's beautiful, Ellie. That really is in which that body positivity, I do need you to come back for another episode to talk about that because that's so important that we love who we are for sure. And a reminder for those of you, if you're, if you're feeling uh, there's not a caregiver that you can talk to, if you're a younger person, there are in your schools, usually a guidance counselor, a social worker, if you have a teacher that you connect with, even though you might be having classes online, you can still talk with people in that way. I know at the college level, I'll do that and connect them with somebody that has that skill set. I, If somebody has an emotional challenge, I'm not trained in that. I'm trained in getting them to the next team member. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I think, yeah, when we talk about public health and we talk about prevention work, I always say, I may not have the answers, but I'm going to make sure I get you to someone who does because all this work, it cannot be done alone. So couldn't agree more. We are a team for sure. How could somebody connect with you if they wanted to find out more about the five healthy habits of emotional well-being or anything else that you're partaking in at this point? Yes. So I am on all forms of social media, um, both personally and professionally. So it's probably the biggest one I'm on is Instagram. I'm at Miss. Ellie Mark, E-L-L-E-M-A-R-K, and also at Miss St. Croix Valley Festival 2020. Uh, If you get lost, go to Miss Ellie Mark and all of its links there. And so uh, I'm also on Facebook and would love to answer any questions you have on there as well. Great. So go to Ellie Mark's Facebook page, go to her Instagram. Also, if you don't remember how to get in touch with Ellie Mark, or if you have a question for me regarding this topic or something else regarding puberty or adolescence, feel free to go to pubertyprof.com in which there's comment boxes there. You can sign up for some information too. I thank you so much, Ellie, for being here today. You just are a ray of sunshine and the positivity is emanating from you, from your your tone and your voice and your smile, because I'm seeing Ellie through Zoom right now. So I really appreciate your energy. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is such an important topic. Of course, at all times in anyone's life, but especially in light of the pandemic and everything that we are coming hopefully out of now. And I'm excited to continue to follow you, Lori, as well as anyone else who is following you too. Great. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you so much for listening today. Again, check out pubertyprof.com if you want to find out more information about other episodes or about resources or if you have questions. I thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. 
The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.